you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from Maine. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Good morning, everybody. This is Down East Mike of the world famous Down East Mike Podcast. Uh, Down East Mike, episode number 93, news and commentary for June 17th, 2023. Our motto here is, some of this is whimsy, some of this is true, and the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. It's Saturday. We made it through a work week, although some people, their work week just starts. Some people, of course, work like 12-hour days, and, you know, some of us work for big multinational corporations in the workday is seven and a half hours. They don't even realize, like, like, they don't even make you take an hour for lunch. They're, like, so silly about it. It's like, you've got 30 minutes for lunch, and whether you clock out or not, we're going to deduct it from your time. It's pretty funny. Not like this podcast. By the way, we are very pleased to announce that we have reached as high as number three in the uh, uh, podcast chats for comedy in Hungary. Uh, so a momentous t- time for the Down East Mike podcast. Number three in the comedy chats in Hungary is pretty darn good. Uh, well, it tells me a couple of things, actually. If we did a deep dive analysis of that data, I think we would find that perhaps uh, number three in Hungary means that there are three listeners, or one person listened three times. That tells me one thing. And then the other thing says that Down East Mike's main accent is so bad, they think he's speaking Hungarian. My goodness, that could be a possibility. Today's podcast, we have a minimum wage sticking at $2.30 an hour. That's from 1977. Groucho Marx's hips were all wiggling around in the news on this day in 1977. We have an advertising roundup from June 1962. Some remarkable things in the ads there. Bed bugs and bad cheese were prevalent in 1888. And on this day in 1885, we had a tramp scare in Westbrook, Maine. We have the illness of the instant and much more coming up on the Down East Mike podcast. Boy, aren't we full of pep and vinegar today. In the world and international headlines, Kourtney Kardashian is pregnant. Your life is now complete knowing that, right? Uh, we have the typical, let's see, Daniel I, uh, Ellsberg died at 92. He leaked the Pentagon Papers. Putin is warning NATO over being drawn into the Ukraine war. And he reminds everybody that he's got nuclear weapons. He gave them over to Belarus. If you've got nukes, you want to give them to that guy in Belarus because he'll take good care of them. He looks a little bit unbalanced, too. Deion Sanders might have his left foot amputated due to circulation issues. Fetterman turns heads with speech struggles during a Senate infrastructure hearing. They say he's not well. Ukraine's counteroffensive is underway. Minneapolis police are targeting people of color. Uh, majority of Republicans favor Trump staying in the race. A morgue scandal in Harvard. You saw that where they were selling body parts. That's awful. And 
a Greek migrant boat disaster, that was an awful thing. Maybe the worst ever tragedy in the Mediterranean Sea. Whenever they overload those boats, bad things happen for sure. Let's look at the main headlines for today, Saturday, June 17th. Let's pull those up here. After flag dispute, Gardner area schools are crafting a permanent flag policy. Restrictions repealed. All boaters are allowed to set anchor in a Winthrop Waters. There's a new dessert bar coming to Kennebunkport. Finally, a reason to go to Kennebunkport for a dessert bar. That's where you go up and down the line and put more toppings on your ice cream, I think. And what else? Anything else in the main news? Most of the main news is imported as well today. Yeah, I don't see anything exciting there. Three people injured in a Raymond crash. Yeah, nothing good. So let's go to our podcast. Uh, we have, oh, uh, well, no, we're going to do our word of the day first. We don't have birthdays. So we're going to go to our word of the day, which is repost. R-I-P-O-S-T-E. It's a noun. It means a fencer's quick return thrust following a parry. You can almost picture that happening. It's a retaliatory verbal sally, a retort, or a retaliatory maneuver or measure, repost as a verb. And so in the sport of fencing, a repost is a counterattack made after successfully fending off one's opponent. And English speakers borrowed the name for this particular maneuver from the French in the early 1700s, but the French had simply modified the Italian word riposta, which literally means answer. Ultimately, these words come from the Latin verb respondere, meaning to respond, and it seems fitting that riposte has since come full circle to now refer to a quick and witty response performed as a form of retaliation. And we were surprised to find that that word is still in use today, but we found it uh, a quote from President John F. Kennedy. At a recent televised press conference, President John F. Kennedy was asked if he had been following the criticisms of his administration in the daily newspapers. Well, he is reported to have said, I've been reading more and enjoying it less. In the official transcript of the program, his repost was followed by one word in brackets, laughter. Imagine laughter at a press conference from the presidents, and that was first used in 1707, our word of the day, repost. We do have the illness of the instant today, and that is taxpayers' tremor. Taxpayers' tremor is experienced by quite a few uh, people in the United States uh, it actually comes after tax season, and you'll see taxpayers' tremor show up shortly after you go to the mailbox in July or August, and you have a letter with a return address from the IRS saying official business only. And that's the tremor that occurs in your left hand, assuming you open the mailbox with the right, and the left hand will start shaking somewhat violently, as you notice that letter from the IRS, and that is taxpayers' tremor. Well, there is no pharmaceutical solution for it at this time, 
But what they do is you open that letter and sometimes you can get rid of the taxpayer tremor immediately just by opening the letter and reading it. And that's the important step. It's, it's a mental illness. In fact, we had one once. It was a letter that the IRS had spent out, probably cost them about $50 in taxpayer revenue to send us a letter saying that we had underpaid by 14 cents. So we duly sent off a check to the IRS for 14 cents to set things right with the Fed government because we didn't want them looking over our shoulder too closely. The illness of the instant taxpayers tremor, look out for it and deal with it. It's something as an adult you have to deal with. On this day in 1977, the minimum wage proposal was killed in Augusta, Maine. It was a bill that would have raised the minimum wage in Maine by 45 cents an hour to $2.75. Without debate, the Maine senators stomped on that one. They voted to reject it. Uh, the compromise approach was rejected by 11 to 18 vote in the Republican-dominated Senate. The vote was along party lines with one exception. Richard Morrill of Brunswick, that traitor, he sided with the Democrats in an unsuccessful bid to keep the issue alive. The bill was then killed without a further recorded vote. Opponents of the measure had said the state's $2.30 an hourly minimum wage would automatically rise when the federal minimum wage is increased. $2.30 an hour. And one of the senators said, it's beyond my imagination why they would not sit down and talk about even $2.31 or $2.50. Of course, you could buy like a hot dog and a big gulp for, for a buck back then anyway, right? Dynamite blast jolts relative memories. This is actually out of Tennessee, but we thought it was a neat, uh, a neat story. Maine State Trooper Roy Brooks of East Millinocket, Maine, had come to Mount Juliet, Tennessee, to visit his ancestral homestead, and he came across a dozen sticks of dynamite as he was rummaging through the house's storm cellar. He quickly called Wilson County authorities, explaining that his late grandfather, J.W. Kent, was a contractor who used explosives to blow out tree stumps. The dynamite apparently had been in the summer or the cellar more than 10 years. The bomb squad rushed to the scene and carefully carried the dynamite to a nearby field where it was detonated before a crowd of curious relatives. One This would have been a reality show today. One relieved expert noted that dynamite becomes unstable as it ages and can easily be touched off by only a jolt. The blast also apparently jolted the memory of one of Brooks' relatives who recalled a keg of black powder sitting in a shed. Aghast, the bomb squad hauled out the keg, pointing out that the powder was even more dangerous than the dynamite. And then at that point, another relative ambled out of the house with an anti-tank mine that he'd picked up during World War II. It's not going to surprise me if there's a tank in there, said a Tennessee Highway Patrol officer, Jim Henderson, but Brooks and his relatives, after a brief conference, announced that there were no more fireworks. Groucho Marx has recovered from a second hip surgery this year. He's well enough to be teasing the nurses, a spokesman for the 86-year-old comedian said Wednesday. Marx underwent surgery Sunday 
At Cedar sinai Medical Center, the surgery was a follow-up on the operation Groucho underwent last March following a fall at his home, according to Nick, or Nat Parent, who was appointed Groucho's temporary conservator earlier this year. Groucho's fine, Parent said. The doctors merely shored up the hip to keep it in place. He's been sitting up the past few days, and now he's able to stand. Groucho should be home by the weekend. Do you suppose the nurses drew straws to has to see who had to go in to wait on him? Uh, on this day in 1977, the High Court was denying religious days off. The Supreme Court had ruled that employees don't have a legal right to take a day off from work for re- religious reasons. And the case involved a trans-world airline worker who wanted to take Saturdays off for religious reasons, but the court said that to require TWA to give the employee Saturdays off when his seniority did not afford him that privilege would involve unequal treatment of employees on the basis of religion. I don't know if that case has been questioned today or not. I was also thinking about that trans world airline. That would have whole new meaning today, wouldn't it? Um, June 1977, right around this time, we had a Life magazine we looked at with um, the cover had uh, Marilyn Monroe on it and wearing a bathrobe or something. Her hair looks gray there. I don't know how old she would have been at the time. New evidence that cancer may be infectious. That's one of the headlines. And then the other headline off to the right was Marilyn Monroe, a skinny dip you'll never see on the screen. Also this week, the mighty U.S. Navy and the latest hairdo, the Marion Bad, new hairdo. So we're looking at some of the ads in there. There's a refrigerator from General Electric, a good-looking refrigerator. It's got the freezer on the bottom, so, you know, it's no problem if you got to get stuff out of the freezer. You just pull that tray out. Everything else is up on top. No defrosting ever. It's got a frost guard. General Electric's famous frost guard system, you'll never defrost again. Frost never forms, not even in the big rollout freezer, and no frost means no defrosting ever. They really were pushing that. You get all this plus swing out shelves, mobile cold to keep meat fresh up to seven days, and famous GE quality 7 million GE refrigerators in use 10 years or longer. You almost want to get in it. It's quite an attractive-looking refrigerator. Also had an ad from Bell Telephone System. It's a good-looking, solid desk phone. You can hear that one ring just looking at it. Your telephone almost never needs fiction, and if it does, there's no extra charge. Is there anything else you use so often that gives you such trouble-free service? Remember you could unscrew the bottom of that and you look at all the innards of it and then you could unscrew the top and look at the innards? They don't make phones like that anymore now, do they? It's quite a deep dive analysis of a phone there too. Uh, We had an ad from a uh, GMC truck. Nice looking pickup truck. And now you can get power steering on your GMC light duty trucks. Did we give you the date on this? That this was a... 1962, I think. Yeah, so let's go back to that truck. Power steering, that's what it was all about. Power steering's here right down to the half-ton GMCs. Good news for lighter-duty truck owners who want to increase 
the GMC's ability to deliver greater efficiency, give you bigger profit potential. Power steering helps you solve the most pressing problems of retail and service business delivery. Power steering on light duty GMCs reduces turning effort as much as 83%. It conserves driver's energy for important loading, unloading, customer relations duties. So that's a great selling point, huh? You would have told your driver you're going to save 83% of your energy because of this power steering, so I want 83% more boxes delivered. That was GMC. We found an ad for Rice Krispies, and you know they look the same as they do today. That's somewhat reassuring. Rice, the crispiest way to get the vitality of native rice, Kellogg's Rice Krispies, and you can still use them today with marshmallows and stuff and make marshmallow squares. They get sticky, but you know, they're really good. How about this ad for tanning from Coppertone? And this was all about getting your tan on, not keeping it off. New quick tanning discovery by Coppertone helps you get your tan today. It tans you in three to five hours without the sun or with it. QT gives you a double tan indoors it will tan you overnight. Just apply QT several times before you go to bed. Can you hear the light going off in my head? I'm like, I gotta get some of that. Just apply QT several times before you go to bed, following directions uh, printed on the bottle. Why am I picturing Donald Trump? Wake up next morning with a gorgeous tan. QT tans you by an astonishing new scientific principle. It acts on the outer layer of your skin. The tan it gives won't wash off. It just wears off gradually like any suntan. Ah, oh, this is, it, they're stringing you along here, this copper tone stuff. Outdoors, it deepens your tan. Apply QT the next day in the sun and watch as your tan becomes deeper, richer, and more stunning. In addition to its tanning ingredient, which continues to work in the sun, QT contains Coppertone's famous sunscreen agent that lets the sun tan your inner skin layers. Thus, you get a double tan plus Coppertone's own famous sunburn protection. You talk about a product that has it all. Has it all. I'm going to find that and bring it back and I'm going to sell it because that that's marketable. Oh, I guess the ad goes on. I'll look down here, second page. It costs a little more than ordinary suntan lotion. But actually you save because you get your tan quicker and you can save precious weekend or vacation time and you save on stockings. QT tan grooms your legs evenly and flatteringly all over. It makes you look better in your low cut dresses too. It ends the embarrassing neckline shadow and you can use QT to touch up your tan and eliminate pale areas. Use it throughout the year throughout the year. Wouldn't, don't you just want to get a bottle of QT from Coppertone? They had a money back guarantee. Four and eight ounce bottle. Here's an ad for orange juice after play. This is back when people drank orange juice. Refreshing orange juice after play replaces energy and vitamin C she's used up since breakfast. Her body can't store vitamin C, the ad says. Get the real thing. If the label says orange juice drink, 
It's not pure, fresh, frozen Florida orange juice, which is nature's powerhouse of vitamin C. Get the real fresh taste. Shake vigorously before each serving for each delicious flavor. Real economy, you get it in the six ounce can in the 12 ounce family size that makes eight glasses. And it's got the picture there, got the pull tab on it, I think. I hope it's a pull tab. Fresh frozen orange juice concentrate from Florida. You concentrate enough, you've got orange juice. We had an ad for Volkswagen station wagon. The punchline there was you either love it or you hate it. Oh, that's pretty rough. Some people will never buy a VW station wagon. It's not everybody's little box on wheels. On the other hand, once we get a customer on our side, it's usually for keeps. It's that kind of car. True enough, it does seem to be a strange sort of animal at first. No nose, no tail, no fins, and no wings. It looks like a bus. You might say that, but don't let it shape fool you. And they go on about the attributes of this. It's got a huge sunroof, 23 windows. The VW bus, 23 windows. I remember one of those rattling along the road in Tenants Harbor. Pretty fancy looking. I bet it's still around today. They're well made. In fact, they're bringing that back. You'll average something like 25 miles to the gallon. That's because it has no gut. to won't go up a hill. Oil, you'll probably never need any between changes. I don't get that. 35,000 miles on a set of tires won't raise any eyebrows. It has nothing to do with the tires. We know people who've gotten 60,000 miles on a set of tires, it says. Well, yeah, they're bald. Our wagon would turn up its nose if it had one at water or antifreeze. It never touches either one because the engine is air-cooled. No radiator, no radiator problems. Your temper might boil over in hot weather, but not your car. This is very intriguing, isn't it? Okay, so $2,655 buys the deluxe VW wagon. The standard version's $2,275. White walls are optional. After you've given it once over, there really are only two possibilities. You love it, you hate it, but ignore it, you can't. It sounds like Yoda wrote this. That's a, a really attractive little van. I, I don't know if you can get the fine one that was in mint condition. We found an ad here for Metrical Chocolate Wafer. A temptation you need not resist. Nine of these chocolate wafers makes a 225-calorie meal. I didn't know you had a meal out of wafers. Now you can enjoy chocolate wafers without sacrificing the calorie control essential to weight reduction. They contain all the essential nutrients, including the requisite unnat unsaturated fats. It has the protection of complete protein and, of course, the necessary vitamins and minerals. Metrical. It helps prevent hunger. Uh, appetite satisfaction can depend less on the amount of food you eat than on the types and combinations. Metrical chocolate wafers supply the energy and appetite satisfaction an active person needs while on a diet. Each wafer was 25 calories. Nine made a satisfying 225 calorie meal with the same nutritional completeness 
as an 8-ounce serving of Metrical liquid. When they said Metrical liquid, I, it seems like I remember. I think Down East Mike would eat like a whole box of those for some Maxwell House coffee. Remember, your physician is your best counsel on weight control. Oh yeah, right. Okay, let's roll it back to 1888. This day in 1888, 19 persons were poisoned at Casota, Minnesota from eating cheese, which was found to have been manufactured in Wisconsin, of course. Many of the victims became insensible after suffering spasms, but with good treatment, they will recover. Bad cheese. A little story here about the, the main grammarian once lived at Rumford, just above the great rocks where the water pitches over Rumford Falls. He is said never to have written or spoken a sentence after he was 15 years old, which was not grammatically correct. He died about 12 years ago. Many people in Rumford well recollect Thomas Irish, the old-fashioned teacher in ancient district schoolhouses. Sometime before his death, Brown, who is the author of Brown's Celebrated Grammar, spent several days with this great Rumford scholar listening to the roar of Rumford Falls and absorbing grammarian Irish's fine points. In one edition of Brown's Grammar can be found footnotes on difficult constructions, etc., edited by Thomas Irish of Rumford. Like many men of genius, he was a peculiar chap, as they say. If he met you on the street in a dry time of year, he invariably said, the sounding of the grinding is low, the pitcher may as well be broken at the mountain. He always had a particular dislike for doctors and drugs, and rarely could be persuaded to take the mild, mildest form of medicines when he was on the sickbed. Several years before his death, he experienced a very severe illness. The doctors told him that his life depended upon his keeping quiet in bed for at least a month. I could go for that. Mr. Irish fretted about his potatoes and turnips on a sickbed for about a week, when one day, as the physician called, the patient was not to be found. They hunted high and low and finally found the grammarian uh, peeling potato, picking potatoes in the field in his night robe. He was finally prevailed upon to go back to bed and take a sweat, but he positively refused to see the doctor again. And when the man with the medicine chest stepped into his room to ask if he was comfortable, he thus saluted him. No more of your nauseating filthy drugs, sir. If I rally, it will be from the bounties of my well-spread table. He partially recovered from his illness in one day meeting his old doctor on the street. He told him that it was no use. He was worn out and it was time for him to pass in his checks. The doctor cheered him up as best he could and said, Oh no, Tom, you're good for two years yet. Do you think so? asked Mr. Irish. I certainly do, replied the doctor. Well then, I suppose you're right, and I'll do as you say, said Thomas Irish, and he drove off whistling Yankee Doodle. Exactly two years from that day, he lay on his deathbed, and looking into his physician's face, he said, you gave me two years, life lease, after I thought I had given the old ship up, and I've taken it. The two years are ended today, and I can't stay any longer. And thus, this eccentric man died. That's a great story, isn't it? 1888. Oh, the bedbugs in Philadelphia. A pest of bedbugs 
in the lodging house of Henry Stamfuss at 2nd and Walnut Streets led to an assault on one of the lodgers last night, and today Stamfuss was placed under bail by Magistrate Lennon to answer for the assault at court. Isaac Glenn testified that he took lodgings at Stamfuss's place but was unable to sleep on account of the vermin. He went downstairs and told Stamfuss that he must have another bed. He refused to give me one, stated Glenn, and said the bugs would not hurt me. When I demanded the money I paid for the lodging, he hit me on the head with a bottle. Can you imagine being chewed up by bed bugs and get, wanting your money back and getting hit with a bottle? Let's roll it back to 1885 in Lewiston. They've been having a tramp scare uh, in Cumberland Mills, according to the Portland Advertiser. A gang of rough-looking men entered the town Saturday and immediately made themselves at home in true tramp style. They frightened about every woman in town. They'd go to the door of a house and ask for a newspaper or a drink of water for the purpose of ascertaining if any men were at home. They offered no actual violence in any case. Sunday at Cumberland Mills, six of these tramps were arrested and lodged at the town farm. During the night, five of them escaped. Monday morning, one was recaptured. The two in custody were sent to jail for 15 days for vagrancy. The other four are supposed to be on their way to Portland to attend the national encampment next week. That sounds like something that would go on today. Lewiston, 1884 on this day, rolling it way back further. Joseph Dearborn is taken down a barn which has stood on, on South Street and Hollis Road for 107 years. The building has been reshingled but once. Most of the timbers are sound and will be used in erecting another building. Here's a building that's been reshingled once in 100 years. That was in 1884. Uh, let's see, we're running quick on time here. We'll find out another highlight of a story. Um, the Wyworns, the Eastern Steamboat Company's new steamer will be launched Tuesday. That's out of Bath. Arthur Sewell's big ship, which will be launched Saturday, is the John Rosenfled named for a California grain merchant who owns her. After she's launched, a 500-ton coaster will be begun, and during the fall, another big ship will be put in frame and left to season for the winter. Isn't that something? There's a lot of ships being built in Bath at this time. Uh, let's go on to, let's see if we have one more story for you. Actually, a couple more. There was a period not remote when 106 canal, canal boats plied the Sebago Lake route between the Oxford and Cumberland Canal and Portland as the end. 106 canal boats from Sebago Lake to Portland. Uh, an exciting race began in Rockland, Maine at midnight last Wednesday. A fleet of 26 schooners all laden with lime, were in the harbor waiting for the Manufacturers Association to send them word to start for New York. Each captain was ambitious to reach the metropolis first, and when word came, no time was lost in setting off. The captain and crew of the schooner that wins the race will be heroes in Rockland when they get home again. He had a witchcraft story here. Fortunate it is that the days of belief in witches are over, else the stories now 
might make it dangerous for somebody. The latest marvel thus far, as chronicled by the Dexter Gazette, is a barn door that opens without hands. A Dexter man who drove into a dooryard in Cambridge, Maine, after trying the barn door and finding it fast, hitched his horse to the side of the barn. While the man was in the house, the horse broke loose and started for home, but becoming frightened by some men at work with a road machine, turned back and rushed for the barn, and the doors of which obligingly opened to let him in, closing behind him. When the dozen men who witnessed the affair reached the barn, no one was to be seen, and the door stuck so badly it was opened with difficulty. So was it witchcraft, or was it just a board loose there in the door? All right, let's go on to, uh, we have a flower here. We're going to look at a plant, Maine's plant of the moment, I guess we'd call it. The Syringa vulgaris, the common lilac, deciduous broadleaf. The common lilac is, is introduced perennial is an introduced perennial deciduous shrub that grows between 12 to 16 feet tall. The flowers are mostly white, lilac or purple, and pleasantly fragrant in long terminal panicles. Common lilac are also called a hedge old-fashioned. They're often sold in nurseries or found already growing on home sites. They have leaves that are somewhat heart-shaped and are much wider than the leaves of cloned live lacks. So we've already said 12 to 16 feet tall, white, light purple or dark purple. They've got a very pleasant fragrance. Um, it's native to Europe, but it's now found throughout much of the northeastern half of the U.S. and Canada, as well as some western states. The leaf buds are separate from the flower buds. The leaf buds are smaller and more pointed than the flower buds, which are larger round and lighter green. Uh, similar to the forsythia, the fruit of a lilac is a small capsule that contains two seeds. And then we have a story here on why lilacs don't bloom. Every year we get calls from people who are disappointed their lilacs bloomed only sparsely or not at all, even though there are gorgeous lilacs blooming all over the county, even in abandoned house lots and in yards that look totally uncared for. Here's a rundown of the most common reasons a lilac might not bloom. Okay. Excess shade is the most likely culprit when lilacs fail to bloom well. They bloom best in full sunlight or at least a half day of sun. Anything less will mean fewer flowers developing. When they're in a location that's shaded all day, lilacs rarely bloom at all. Sometimes the shade creeps up over the years as nearby shade trees grow taller and fuller. In many cases, lilacs may have been planted in a poor location to begin with. Pruning. If you prune lilacs back drastically, it may take a number of years before they begin to bloom again. They should produce flowers eventually, but it could take three or four years, maybe longer. If you prune only lightly, wait until mid to late summer to do it, and you might not see flowers the following year because the flower buds for the following year are set shortly after the plant is through blooming. Nutrients. Lilacs are not heavy feeders and they don't need, they do not need fertilizer. Are you listening, mother? 
They don't need fertilizer to make them bloom. Often, in an attempt to help young plants become established, people will fertilize them several times each spring and summer. Plus, there's usually some lawn nearby which is also fertilized. This abundance of nutrients, especially nitrogen, encourages the lilac to make a lot of leafy vegetative growth which may come at the expense of flower bud development. If this appears to be the case and the plant receives plenty of sunlight and hasn't been pruned too heavily or at the wrong time, simply stop your fertilizing. Eventually it should begin to bloom well. Also moisture, lilacs grow best in a well-drained soil. Wet, poorly drained soil isn't directly associated with a lack of blooms. It is associated with plants that develop root rots or generally fail to thrive. If you have a young lilac in a low lying moist location, transplant it to a more favorable site if at all possible. Well, those are some nice words. Okay, let's look at the weather forecast for today, Saturday, June 17th from the National Weather Service forecast. Showers, possibly a thunderstorm before 2 p.m., then showers off and on the rest of the day. Uh, highs around 61, northeast wind 5 to 15 miles per hour. For tonight, showers and a thunderstorm. For Sunday, showers likely mainly before 7, and then otherwise cloudy with a high near 63. Uh, for uh, Juneteenth, a 30% chance of showers after 2 p.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 70. And then it starts getting summerish. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, mostly sunny, highs in the 70s. So not a bad forecast if you go out far enough. That is our Down East Mike podcast for today. We ran a little bit long. We hope you do too. And until next time, this is Down East Mike wishing you and your loved ones a day that is full of grace, love, and kindness. We'll see you.